0: What's up, everyone? This is Bailey from Horsepower and Pizza. RJ and I traveled to Deep Creek this weekend to record this show with Nick Fratz Or This is probably one of my favorite shows to date, and the only reason I'm doing the intro this way is to explain something that I misquoted sometime in the show. Um, at some point, I said that Jason Anderson is the one who took out Joey Savace in Supercross, when I looked up the video to show RJ what Nick and I were discussing, I realized it was Zach Osborne. I wanted to put this disclaimer at the beginning because to the normal listeners, nobody probably would have said anything. But with pulling a bit of a crowd from the motocross community, I don't want 30 angry emails. So it was Zach Osborne that took out Joey Savacchi. I'll actually link that in the description if you guys want to see it. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Uh, welcome back to the Cold Pizza Podcast. October 4th, Friday, 9 p.m., www.horsepowerandpizza.com. We have new sweatshirts. We have new stickers. There are Zippo lighters. Um, there's going to be a really sick video that RJ and I are filming next weekend in Ocean City. Um, this episode is episode number 26 It is presented to you by Barnes Brothers, Motorcycle and off 589 West Pike Street, Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. Look them up for any of your Polaris, KTM, Suzuki, Yamaha, and Kawasaki needs, as well as any parts, safety equipment, anything you need. Go hit up my friends at Barnes Brothers. We got Brad, Liam, Blake, uh, Caleb in parts, Aaron, Frank,
1: other Brad. Other Brad. Brad.
0: There, there's so many people there. They're all really tight people. And um, it's near and dear to our hearts. I have RJ Kreishock with me. He has the pleasure of dating Shannon, their daughter. And, um, yeah, really great people. Yeah, Definitely go look them up. For the 26th episode, we have Mr. 265 with us, Nick Fratzor. Um, Nick is... It's funny because I started hanging out with RJ and Shannon like two, two and a half years something ago, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And I was brought up, oh yeah, I used to race motocross and Shannon's like, oh, we sponsor this kid. His name's Nick. And I'm trying to think of like Nick from like Western PA. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. she's like, I think he's from Maryland. And Nick Fratzor. I'm like, oh, I know Nick. I know of Nick from going to the track. Um, I think today is the first time we actually met face to face. But I've been in contact with Nick on Instagram a little bit. And I said to Shannon, I'm like, can you put me in touch with him? She's like, don't be a bitch. Message him yourself. So <laughs> here we are. Uh, RJ and I made the trek to Deep Creek, Maryland this afternoon. And I'm my
1: favorite places in the world.
0: Yeah, we are um, going to link up here. Well, we have linked up with Nick, and we're just going to get into it. Um, you're a privateer. You race motocross professionally. Would you like to elaborate on what it means to be a
2: privateer? Yes.
0: Uh, (laughs) A lot lot of stress,
2: a lot of pills. Yeah. Uh, Well, first off, uh, I want to thank you guys for having me on the show. Absolutely. Episode 26. Throwing the plug in there. It's going to be the best episode yet, and there's going to be many more to come, so 26 is a staple. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I just want to thank... RJ and, yeah, the settings and, uh, are still good from the other night. I just want to make sure. Yeah, I was just, looking at it. Yeah, we got to make sure everything's dialed. Exactly. Everything has to be in queue. Yeah, um, yeah I just want to thank uh, Bailey and RJ for coming down to Deep Creek. We're sitting inside my office now. We hogged the whole thing uh, <laughs> to do a podcast here. So, uh, yeah, pretty pumped to be a part of it. Um, and uh, going to shed some light on uh, dirt bikes and real estate and uh, how those things come together and, um, there's, it's, can get pretty intense at times. So, uh, I'm honestly just pumped to be able to do everything, uh, and, um, be, have the ability to, to do it all because, uh, when I first got my real estate license, I never planned on it growing to this. And then, uh, and then when I got my professional motocross license, I had, no idea that my results would continue to improve every year. So that's everything's just kind of went hand in hand. So I'm really kind of like fortunate and blessed uh, to be able to do all that stuff and still have some sanity. Um, <laughs> and you know, so so like that's you know that's probably the. But but I guess the question was shed some light on on racing. And, right. Well, yeah. What, background and stuff like that. Explain
0: to. Those listening, I'm sure we've gone into it on another podcast about the life of a privateer, what, like, the definition of being a privateer. You don't race full-time.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, you you have to...
0: I guess it is kind of a full-time job. It's still (laughs) full-time, yeah,
2: because, so, okay, so when when you're in any, well, in, in motocross, if you're a privateer, privateer just basically means you're paying for, like, uh you you're paying for everything mostly yourself so you're not factory supported i think there's different levels of privateer and some people might say they're privateers when they're when they really not they might just not have a factory sponsorship but somebody's paying them or paying for them um you know when it when, when it comes to my definition of privateer that's dad mom and me paying for everything yeah so uh, like a small shop
1: giving you this and this given here yeah
2: and then going to great people like barnes brothers and all these other companies that i've been fortunate enough to meet who are willing to either uh give a discount on product or give free product and these aren't people who are paying me to ride like like i take my real estate commission checks and i take those to the dealership and i buy bikes (laughs) you know like uh, and then I buy more bikes and then I buy suspension and that costs a lot of money. And then, and then you have to pay to travel. you had to pay to train for six plus months to get ready for that. I don't think there's a lot of, uh, insight on, uh, on like everything that really goes into all that. And I'm actually kind of excited to be able to kind of share some of that. Cause like, it's all mostly hidden in, in the closet of what really goes on to show up to a race. And, uh, and the months of preparation and tens of thousands of dollars that it takes just to arrive, let alone perform. Yeah, you know, so, so there's so much that goes into that. I'm, and like I said, I'm excited to, to like share that. so um, And that was a big thing I
0: just want to touch on. Yeah, because you brought it up. I played football. Through like middle school, and I quit playing football when I got more involved in motocross. And yeah. now I was never good. I was like mid pack C class at the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: But like, I really said your name though, dude. Honestly, it was like, I something that
0: right. I was really passionate about, and it was a good outlet for me. There was a lot of depression and things that I dealt with through high school that riding was my escape, and that's um, I, I used it as an outlet. And we're not going to go into that on this. This is your show. Um, but a lot of people didn't understand how much off the bike training goes into it. You don't yeah. just show up and ride on Saturday and then go no. out and race on Sunday. Well, amateurs practice Saturday, race Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Pros, it's race Saturdays. Yeah, yeah, but, one day.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, it's people don't. I think there's a lot of people that don't understand that it's mm-hmm. so much more mental strength and a lot of physical fitness that goes into it. You don't just sit down on the
1: bike and twist the throttle, and, and no. you don't get there overnight either. So, Because yeah. um, I was confused about that uh, The only exposure I have is track days, and so I know from that perspective. Like, and he's, you know,
0: RJ's talking street bike track yeah, days. Street yeah, street bike.
1: So up at race, I will take my motorcycle, and I'll do that. So And I see that's why I had a lot of confusion around the whole privateer side of it because yeah. you see guys show up, and they have you know, their car pulled behind the pickup truck, that, or their their trailer pulled behind the pickup truck that they, they bought with their own money, the trailer and a bike that they bought, and this is all things that they have, no real factory support, um, and these guys are working out and training and eating right and, and doing all of this stuff in preparation to do a track day or a Weir race or something like that where... I didn't realize all of that went into it. Mm-hmm. I thought that a lot of the stuff that you see of guys out on the track was, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to take the bike up and, and go ride and see what happens, where, yeah. you know, there's a lot more that goes into it.
2: Yeah, there's, like, um, I think what you're saying is, like, uh, just in comparison, is, like, you. Uh, it's not showing up to the track and just, and just hopping on and going and being the fastest guy. Like, right. there's just all this months, and years of preparation that goes into, you know, a single event or or a series of events, and, uh, and then that having the equipment, having the knowledge of how the equipment should work, I know, like, Blake and Liam seem to have their stuff pretty dialed in on their bikes, like, their stuff's pretty, pretty, like, I'm not a street bike guy, but their <laughs> stuff is sick, like, yeah. their stuff is pretty, pretty badass, so, um, that's, that's super awesome, so, yeah, and, like, over the years, like, they've, they've tailored their, their bikes, and, and their styles and their and their techniques and stuff, that so they've gotten. Uh, I'm not farting. That's moment. the chair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's good to know, because <laughs> we don't have the fans on or anything. No, it's, um, it's just closed room. <laughs> well, yeah, it's gonna you...
0: start from like my
2: guided stuff here. How old were you when you started racing? Uh, I was, well, six or seven. I think we got our first bike. I was six. My brother was seven, and we f- we raced uh, not too long after that because we were blasting through the woods at our old house, uh, me and my brother Derek were, and we were just ripping around, like, building little jumps and stuff, and uh, with a, like, shoveling shirt and uh, dirt into a wheelbarrow, building these little, like, foot-tall jumps, and we'd launch them, like, 20 feet. And all <laughs> and these little. Like, this is the
1: coolest thing in the world. <laughs> this yeah, is so much we're,
2: fun. We were on these little Honda uh, 50s, and um, and uh, we were just getting, like, just beating the crap out of these bikes, right? So we only had one. We had to share it, and we got two. We went to race, and I think the first race we ever did was like, we were seven and eight years old, and then, uh, which is interesting now, because that's only about a 1,000 feet from, from my parents' house. What track's where, that? Where that track was. It's called. It was called Lightning Valley, but it's okay. just, it's a um, abandoned truck stop now. Like, okay. It used to be a gas station, and now they park tractor and trailers there, hmm. and that's it. So, and then in the little side areas where the track is. That's and so I think the jumps are still kind of there. The finish line tower is still there. but So, that was like your home
0: track growing up then?
2: That was, yeah. That was it. First, and then, first like, first ever race, yeah.
0: what, what tracks did you, did you mainly race that? Or, like, what, when you ended up getting, like, more involved with it, did you start running a series, mm-hmm. like a local series? What
2: series was that? Um, it was called... Uh,
1: <laughs> i told you we were Mid, gonna quiz you yeah
2: <laughs> it was called mid-atlantic motorcross association the mama some, series no no not no? that or m, some mid-atlantic something i don't know what it was it was an outlaw series okay uh, and uh there was uh um uh, that lightning valley track was on there pleasant valley track was on there which was pretty cool north hill reedsville uh roaring knob was on there uh back when it was just inside of the uh, donut track and then they built a big outdoor track. Um, and then and then once we got we started hearing more about like oh like the big things like AMA so then we started racing these AMA races, which we didn't know what that meant, but it's American Motorcycles Association or whatever Right. Well yeah. when
0: you said Outlaw series, that to me an Outlaw series is a series that doesn't follow AMA or F... Yeah, it's AM like or whatever because I know like Breezewood Proving Grounds they run their own Outlaw series and yeah. they you don't need an AMA card
2: to show no. up you just no. show up and race same thing as that it's like if you're buying a house uh, it's like uh, uh, Outlaw versus AMA AMA is bound by certain rules and regulations Outlaw series is just whatever right you know, it's like buying a uh, a double wide house and just saying you know it's not built to code or or building a or buying a stick built home that's built to code and you know so one of them has kind of whacked out features, and one of them has pretty straightforward-to-code stuff. Yeah, you know? Right. So, Because
1: uh, I had no idea what, that there was a difference there. I thought you oh, just kind of, like, Breeze shut would, up and... Breezewood, you,
0: you show up, they run a one-moto format. Like, they would let me run... Uh, this sounds so stupid for anybody that knows anything about amateur racing. They'd let me run a stock 125 in uh, Super Mini class oh until goodness. I was, like, 16. <laughs> wow. Super Mini is... Like the like modified, the 90s, like the no, zero. like the 80cc or 85cc, I think by AMA standards, the furthest you can punch it out is like 112, and like something like that. Yeah. They rip. Like the, They're fast. Yeah. Adamson Cincarullo, who just stepped to the 450s for next year, so you're going to get the lineup of AC. AC. Yeah. Um, I feel old. He, <laughs> his last year on super minis at Loretta's, he put down a
1: lap time faster than the A-Kid's.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's fast
1: on a Super Mini. Mini. I rode one of those bikes one time, an 80 that was punched out to a 112. It was owned by... His name was TJ Jensen, and he was out of Clark Summit. And he was riding it around, and it was this little tiny bike, and he was a short kid, but, I mean, he's 5'11 now, but he used to be, like, all a 5-foot freshman year. And I was like, what... I was like, this little bike doesn't look like it can do anything. So, like, I rode on it, and I almost looped it. (laughs) I almost looped his race bike. I was like, uh, okay. I I
0: loved the minis were fun, and then I stepped to the 125 and never looked back. But um, do you have a favorite bike that you've owned, like, that's stuck in your memory? Like, out of all the bikes you've owned, was there one that was just like, damn, like, I wish I wouldn't have sold that, or, like, Mm. you really enjoyed it while you had it?
2: Probably the one I just sold, like, two days ago. Oh, your but, your factory oh, it's fresh. editions yeah <laughs> the wound is fresh <laughs> <laughs> had 15 hours on it uh but no the bikes get better every single year and every time I buy a bike um buy them from Barnes. and uh well, can you describe Barnes what you ride uh like, yeah go through I, that setup yeah yeah so I ride a um uh, I still have one of them left um and it's a 2019 KTM 450 factory edition and they're they're pretty sweet bikes like they KTM's motto is ready to race, and, like, these bikes are pretty, like, awesome right out of the box. Now, I do some just minor adjustments. Like, I don't do any engine mods or anything like that. The, it comes with an Acropovic exhaust, so I just run that. Um,
1: on a dirt bike. An yeah. Acro on a dirt oh, bike. Oh, dude. Wow. It's, yeah, they're yeah, they're really, full really Full titanium?
2: Good. Uh, it's just a slip-on because oh, okay. the KTM header is pretty much unbeatable. You, you really don't want to steer off from that. It's pretty good. Cool. So uh, so yeah, I run that. I change up my gearing a little bit, um, put some handlebars, and I deck it out with some pretty sweet suspension. That's like five thousand dollars. Who does your suspension? Factory connection. Okay. Yeah, and then. Uh, Are they ones? No. Uh, They're WP. WP. No, from
0: factory. For, yeah. From um, okay. KTM. Got
2: yeah, it, got it. yeah. Kate, uh, so Kate, the suspension provider for KTM is WP, and they want to make that suspension setup. So all kinds of coatings and different stuff in there that works totally different. Plus, it's a conventional spring fork as opposed to an air fork so so the the stock ktms come with a half air half spring fork which i'm not too fond of i was gonna
0: ask because i know when honda and like cowie brought them out a couple years ago there were a lot of people like sell me the forks off of your old kx 450 because these air forks are terrible i don't know if they've changed them but i know like there were people like I used to get my suspension done through uh, Jeremy Crady at Evo East in okay, Mannheim. Yeah, That's yeah, where yeah. I'm from is Mannheim. So, like, okay. it was 10 minutes to drive to the shop, drop nice. the bike off, have him change everything. Nice. Which was convenient, but I know, if I remember correctly, he didn't want to touch any of the air stuff when it first came out. Because yes. it was like nobody could figure out how to set it
2: up. But yeah. I liked it at first, but uh, it just... Uh, it's too sensitive, and you felt all the little sh- little choppy bumps. And like when I got the cone valve stuff, that was the first thing I noticed was went from a jackhammer to like a cruise ship. You know, just was just going through stuff. You know, and you didn't feel it. Yeah. So,
1: which I guess, like, and from like an endurance standpoint, I mean, you can go into like length of races and differentiation yeah. and that. But I mean you're going from having it beat you up over every single corner over every single bump to being able to work at a higher performance level for longer because it soaks up a lot of that and it's not going into your body
2: yeah no that's actually the best way to describe it um it's like my thoughts exactly on it because um because when you're justifying spending that amount of money in suspension you're thinking how in the hell do i figure out how do I justify five thousand dollars in suspension? Mm-hmm. What what does that feel like? You know? Yeah. But that's exactly it. More intensity for a longer period of time, which means less damage to your body. Which at the end of the day, it's damage control. Yeah. And that's that's pretty important. So they always say like you win your championships on your bad days. I didn't win any championships, but I <laughs> but I also stayed fairly healthy for the most part. Yeah. So Which I, is good. Yeah. Because a lot of guys
1: can't say the same. I mean you look at some guys who you know that's one thing that's Freaked me out about dirt bikes. Is I've only ever ridden, and I've very limited experience, but like ridden in single track in the woods or like through trails and stuff. Yep. And you see these guys, you know, doing huge whips over. 20 foot high jumps and you're thinking okay well there's a lot nice. of guys that hit it the wrong way and yeah. or hit a whoop the wrong way and decide to go end over end and yeah it's just it's you not made fun. me laugh last yeah. weekend with your instagram story the can your realtor whip like this <laughs> i text rj i'm like
2: he could
0: if he'd come sell my
2: house <laughs> yeah i know, right? yeah I, unfortunately i'm only licensed in maryland that was so something I else i was
0: gonna ask yeah but, um, yeah no, i'll talk to you we'll talk about your real estate career and everything on here yeah. but i got a couple questions for you sweet off the record because uh sweet i considering getting into it a little bit Nice, sweet man I've sweet. Got a
2: bunch of it's questions. it's a good but. time to buy and sell and it's a good time to be buying and selling
1: i would imagine <laughs> <laughs> you're getting fully loaded ktm prep bikes
0: <laughs> <laughs> um so how much i i'm not well, you're not that much older than me I'm 24. You're what? 25? 25. Okay, yeah. you're not that much older than me at all. Yeah. Um, I thought you were older. So. I th- I really? He was yeah, too. I thought so you, know, you were like You carry 20, yourself 29. a lot more professionally than I Like I said, you're our first professional athlete on here. And then <laughs> I said to RJ on the way down, I'm like, he's our first professional on here. And everybody else we've had on here has been
1: a degenerate. <laughs> yeah, um, So it works out quite nicely. Yeah. Um, well, I mean,
2: I, I also, I think uh, I'm, I'm the youngest by three or four years, five years maybe here. And the probably average age, you know, uh, of all the agents in our office is probably right around fifty. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, put that in perspective. I mean, I I'm around, you know, uh, elder peers more than I am younger people. It's not, and not all, not all too often is anybody less than twenty five buying a million dollar lakefront right. house mm-hmm. at the lake. You know, right. but there are people my age and younger buying houses in the in the primary market that. Are more sustainable as far as price goes. So, like, you have to just kind of learn to gel with all these different, you know, yeah. personality types, right? So that's kind of that's kind of, one of the biggest things. And I
1: think in, like, you know, if you wanted to take that into a different direction, I mean, you can say that in terms of anything. I'm sure, yeah. you know, you start looking up to guys who are older than you in, yeah. in, in motocross, right? Yep. Or just in general, like, when people are listening, it's funny how much you can change your sphere of influence and you your know, mindset when you start hanging yeah, out with different here's, types here's of people.
0: Here's the thing with yeah. that. I don't know if you realize this, and I don't mean to make you feel old. He's on the upper end of that age spectrum. In really? The, I
2: they, am in the VET 25 plus class. I'm buying another <laughs> bike this winter,
0: and I timed it perfectly that my comeback, I can race 25 plus. Really?
2: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs>
0: but... No, Jet Lawrence. I was. I just talked about Jet on a the podcast. There's gonna be
1: a lot of names and a lot of people. Yeah, but I just say, talked I about this on a f-
0: podcast a couple weeks ago. The kids from Australia came over here to race Loretta's. Raced. Uh, I want to say Unadilla. Yeah. He had to pull off at the white flag because he can't score points because he turned 16 the weekend of Unadilla, and there's a there's a, a clause. No, there's like a age Uh, uh, cap, like a minimum age or something. They were saying, I think it was Racer X that I forget. There was something that he had to pull off because he's not allowed to score points. So he couldn't win. No, I don't. I think he ran like top ten. It wasn't like he was. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, he wasn't dominating.
2: I I remember reading something about it. I forget what it was, but they they
0: said yeah, they said he had to pull off and, which I thought like he's. Just turned sixteen. I think Cincerulo's twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, something like that. Really? Because he's yeah. That's the one that I hit up Anthony
1: the other night. I was like, Yo, get me a jersey if you can. um, I'm just amazed that like that is such like a small age bracket. Like, and then you start thinking of like you know you start going back into the privateer stuff. Like here you are. Like, we, not necessarily weekend warrior, but essentially out, you know, taking your bike, taking the truck, taking the parts, going out and doing that. And here, these kids have been doing it since they were eight, and now they're a they factory sponsored. Well, yeah. I mean,
0: right. since ruler has been factory sponsored since he was eight or nine. Since years he was old. born. Yeah. He like, was born born Energy, he was born that Monster Energy Kawasaki since. He was born that way. <laughs> <just> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I'm sorry I bring him up on every podcast, but that's just somebody that, like, He's not that much younger than me and I've watched him the whole way up through the amateurs and now he's yeah. dating one of my friends' sisters so it's like crazy so you have small like a personal world connection but, to it in this no, kid's I mean not yet. really but like yeah, kind of. And it's just one of those things where it's like damn, like
1: what am I doing wrong with my life? That I,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean,
1: I I I'm sure that changes your perspective when you're out there too. Like, I, I remember... When the
2: young kids are coming up?
1: Well, and both that and, it. and, like, having... <laughs> like, you have that, and then you have, like, all the factory-sponsored stuff. Like, I just... I saw a post in a track day group, and it was this guy who won a local race, but he won this local race because he had a clapped-out R6 that he did not care about, so he rode it at the very limit. Whereas, you know, you might not be able to ride to the very limit because if you were to tumble this thing end over end, yeah, you now have a paperweight yeah. in the back of your thing where this kid just does not care. He can ride within an inch of his life. and
2: You're definitely more fearless when you're, uh, and more prone to make mistakes when you're younger. So that's one of the things that, like, I've tried to tried to do over the years is just, like I said, like, limit the, limit the damage and, like, stay out of trouble because if you, you know, it's like, Going through a set of sand rollers, if you dip your front end, you're gonna go over the handlebars. So keep your front end out of sand, mm. you know, and and keep your tires light, cause you know, it's the same thing in here and doing all this. Stay out of trouble. Yep. You know, don't do dumb shit. Yeah. Just be smart and no, no think. Five steps past whatever action you're gonna take and figure out what the what the reaction and what the steps are are, going to occur after that before you even take the step and then get in a habit of thinking like that. And then that's how you move quickly and have, and make good and create good decision-making skills. That's, that's what it comes down to. So you got young kids out there that are just totally blown it up, right? Yeah. They'll crash and their, their bones are a little bit more, you know, uh, whatever. They can take
1: an impact. They can take an
2: impact. Yeah. And, uh, they can take an impact and, you know, get up and the bike's messed up and somebody else fixes it and pays right. for it or whatever. That's fine. Me, I don't really think, I don't really care about having to pay to fix it. You That's and not I come deal. from the same background, though, of paying your own way.
0: You appreciate things a lot more. Yep. And it makes you take a step back and realize, hey, I can't ride over my head because, yeah, you pay Gotta go to fix work. a bike. <laughs> yeah, well, that yeah. too. That's that's kind of how i ended up taking a hiatus from it now i'm like screw it i'm gonna get back into it because yeah. i miss mess it but yeah. um it's one of those things where you fix a bike once twice maybe three times a season It starts to add up yeah but you don't want to be paying more money to fix a bike over and over and over again than you paid for the bike because mm-hmm. it, it gets old when you yeah. continue to break things and yeah put yourself Part down hard this is what you i was $6, talking
1: dollars and a three thousand dollar bike and you're I was like uh, talking yeah, to you the yeah. other
0: night there was that time period where i would ride way over my comfort zone and way over my head and it only took me putting myself down hard once or twice to realize yeah. like hey uh, maybe we should dial this back a little bit and get the fundamentals thinking yeah, uh, yeah think this through because the longevity in this is not Oh
1: yeah, I'm gonna be there. Yeah. Um, you watch people get on the track the same way. Cause I laid, I had my first motorcycle first, I would say motorcycle accident at the track, and it was the same way. Came in too hot, grabbed yep. the brakes, lost the front end, it washed out on me. Ugh. Like screwed my suit up, screwed my shoes up, like, and I just kind of sat there and went, "Ooh, okay, I need to dial this back a bit because yeah. <laughs> like the the wallet does not want to support something right." Like this.
2: And yeah. the it's pricey.
1: Unfortunately for you pavement is not
2: that forgiving. nearly as no. forgiving as <laughs> no, no. dirt. Which also is not that no, forgiving. Which is not, yeah, <laughs> especially like sand.
0: You'd think, oh, I'm going to tumble through the sand. No, sand tends to grab you and
1: yeah. kind of hug you to the ground. And, sand, sand turns into concrete at 45. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah. Did you have a favorite rider growing up, favorite professional rider or even just somebody that you looked up to at the local level that was hmm. older than you or faster than you that you were like kind of I don't want to say that you modeled your style after... Maybe you did, but someone that was, like, a heavy influence on you,
2: be, the, be it pro, local pro. Um, I would... There was probably... There was a few of them along the way, and I could think of a million of them just, like, just along the way. Who I was Give like, me two oh, or three if you know the, them. Yeah, like, where I was like, okay, I like that, I like this, I like that. Uh, but, like, I got to a certain point, and then um, I started... Uh, um, living over in Uniontown, Pennsylvania at 1110 mods. They were a motor shop um, that had just built incredibly fast bikes like I remember. Uh, Chad Sander was was the guy over there and who was building everything and he was like the most brilliant motor builder on the face of the world. Like, you know, if I, I always said if that guy had funding and had somebody running his operation like like, and I don't know, I, I'm just, I was on the outside looking in, so I don't Are know. Are they it.
0: still in business or no?
2: Um, I think he does some stuff here and there. Okay. Um, but I know I,
0: I know they had, yeah. like, a privateer team. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. Back
2: when I was still racing. And that yeah. was,
0: a, uh, Slusser rode for them, didn't he? Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's yep. what I thought. Yep. Yep. So, I always thought, man, like, if, and like I said, this is from an uh, outsider perspective, but, like, if he had... Somebody running and or keeping everything organized, and then and then keeping all the, just keeping everything in line. I think that, dude, he could have been pro circuit, like one hundred percent, and he probably could have knocked them off their stool. In fact, I mean, he in some ways he already was, just just the foundation was not solid enough to sustain it. So you know when you when you're building your way up. You're only as good as your foundation, right. and it was it wasn't stable. So that's unfortunate. But through that, I met, uh, I learned a lot from him, a lot of valuable lessons from from Chad Sander, which was sweet, and um, and uh, what I remember, he didn't tell me this directly, but I ever heard him tell tell it to. Uh, um, a buddy of mine down at Minio's in like 2008 and he that's said that's on my list too to talk about so. yeah yeah, and he was just like no matter what happens two things that, he, that I ever heard him say no matter what happens uh, you never pull off unless you can't physically finish the race or if your bike can't finish the race it's the only way you don't finish a race otherwise you finish that damn race mm-hmm. and that always stuck in my head so ever since then I always finished my races I never pulled off if I was tired or whatever like tweaked my knee, got back up, raced, finished, did whatever, and figured it out afterwards. The other thing he said was, it's always a lot easier to pass 40 people off the starting line than 40 people throughout the race. That course. was the biggest and thing that anybody taught me when I started. They're like, if yeah. you're going to pass
0: anybody here... Yep, shoot on that the start. In- yeah, you're going to do, do it on the start because yeah. you do not... They're like, no offense, Bailey, you do not have the stamina to come from 40th. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. I mean, I was... Like I said, I raced C and Schoolboy, mm-hmm. 85s at one point. And a lot of, like, a lot of carnage coming oh, to There's a lot of carnage. C class especially. C class was hell. <laughs> <laughs> like there's, I'd go out and B practice and then race yeah. C because C practice, you have a bunch of kids show up that don't plan on racing the next yeah. day. So they'd let anybody go out and ride, and that's very dangerous. So I'd go out and be the slowest kid and be practice, but I'd learn something from following somebody and, yep, yep but no uh, the start is where you're going to pass the most people at yep. one point but yep. sorry didn't mean
2: so, to hijack your thought there no um, so I, I learned a lot from him we'll, we'll just use Chad as one of them um, and then uh, um, and then so thanks Chad if you're listening to this um, who else um, through that I met Alex Martin and oh, okay. and and uh, he was like him and his brother Jeremy were like the two most regimented disciplined people I've ever met in my life. And to put I, this in perspective, they yeah. own
0: Millville, correct? Millville. His yeah. parents own Millville, which is one of the Pro tracks in
2: Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, yeah they have a Pro Track and stuff. Um, and then Jeremy was two time uh national champion in the in the two fifty class. Um so I looked at what they were doing, like I hung out with Alex and trained and I had a bad, I messed up my knee, so I was doing lap times for him, you know, and I'm like watching him and then like paying attention to how he eats and like just sleep and super like, like I said, just disciplined, regimented, just like one of the hardest workers I've ever met. So we uh, ended up, I texted him, I was going down to Georgia um, uh, to stay at GPF um, at a training facility down there um, in Southern Georgia and... I was like, hey man, I don't know what your plans are for the winter, but if you ever want to come down here, here's the details. And I have a place to stay. I have a four bedroom house. It's just me there right now. So uh, just let me know. And uh, I ended up getting my, uh, two more roommates during that time. And then Alex texted me and he goes, hey man, he goes, what's the details on that place? Told him and he goes, okay, thanks. Next thing you know, he's living at my place. And I'm like, no, for like, this is awesome. This is cool. And then his brother wants to come stay too who, like I said, ended up being two-time national champion. And uh, so I got to learn from those guys about a lot of diet, nutrition, mental training, stuff like that, because they both had, like, an insane work ethics. Like, like just ridiculous. It, it's honestly just to be around them for a day, some people probably couldn't handle that. You know, just, just because of um, just all the things that they do constantly to better themselves and their and their careers. So, like, that was super inspiring. I'd say if there's any, any turning point for me, like, maybe not right away, but, like, at least something that I really could date back on and something that's solid as a foundation to, like, build on, not just in racing but in everything else, too. It's probably that. Uh, and then also um, my, my dad always had really good advice and always still does have good advice, even though he hasn't out there the one – he's not out there racing the bike. He's, like – somehow knows what is right mm-hmm. and 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 so like yeah between those four definitely definitely super good like people to
0: learn from along the way
2: i'm
0: cut in here did you ever race with josh villarreal growing up do you remember yeah i remember name? him yeah okay. it's been a he, long he was, long was time. a really close friend of mine okay nice. and that's i kind of did a lot of that with him because he yeah. was always faster than me and better than me but it was dublin gap was one of our home tracks i could tell him exactly where he was losing time Mm -hmm. which gate he needed to start from and i'm not taking credit for any of that because his dad was definitely really hard on him really pushed him and helped him grow to where he was but like the last couple years i hung out with him i'd go to the track a lot of the time and not race i'd just Mm -hmm. go hang out and it was like okay well like when you're taking the inside line in this corner you're two seconds faster a lap than when you go outside or the midline. And it was, yep. it was good. I, like I said, I'm not taking credit for that at all, yeah. but we hung out with Colby Favoring a lot too. And mm-hmm. I'd say things like that to Colby and he's like, why are you not faster than you <laughs> are? Because you know what to tell me and you know what's going on, yeah. but you can't do it yourself. And that's, I don't know. Um, but that's, I mean, that's
1: infinitely important to have that third person perspective.
0: Yeah, so I'm like excited think- to get back on a bike just to see, if I, I mean, my fitness is probably there because I've been in the gym and training and mm-hmm. trying to get, I'm just kind of curious now that I understand bike physics a little bit more, and bike setup a little bit more, if I can't go out and put down faster lap times than I did five, six, seven years ago, just because I'm not an idiot
1: anymore. Seeing you guys talking about this immediately has me... I mean, I've been talking to you about their bikes, but I've wanted to do... That. I've never owned one. I've always yeah. just borrowed somebody else's and ridden it around, and I'm like... After Shh. seeing the bike...
0: After seeing the RM125 that Pastrana just built for... Uh, Red Bull Straight Rhythm yeah. and his he's doing the Pleasure Valley. He's doing like the Pastrana Pro Challenge or something next weekend. Yeah, next weekend. Are yeah. you gonna go
2: to that? I don't know, cause I'm still. I mean, if my knee can hold up to it, I might go. But yeah. we'll see. We're gonna be out
0: of town at H two O. but nice. I wanted to go at least watch, but after seeing R M that he built, I'm like,
1: oh yeah.
0: man, I need to build another one twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, oh, where are we at here?
1: You got a list of questions. I do. You can't we're, just close we're, your eyes we're, one.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm trying to like keep this sometimes some kind of organized. Well, I, have I think any, we're,
2: we're building momentum on on the racing thing. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah.
0: we still have I have a bunch of amateur questions before we get into the pro stuff. I had a
1: I had a quick question if you don't mind. Me asking. Go for it. So, what made you go with the four fifty class? Like, is there any like other than it just being like the top dog? Like, I'm the shit kind of like power level. Was there anything that you were like, oh, well, maybe I want to stick in the 250s for a little while and work on technique a little bit more? Because I know that from my perspective, like, I know Chance has been on the podcast, like, he rides an R1 at the track. I mean, that thing, it will rip your arms off, like, 180 horsepower, and I decided to sell my leader bike to go back a step to get my technique down a little bit more. Like, was there ever a point where you got like that, or did you ever have that thought process,
2: or? Um, well... So, 450s are cheaper to maintain, hmm. and it pays more money. The 450s, so, you don't positives. have to
0: beat as hard, is the thing. Like yeah. He's saying they're
2: cheaper to maintain.
0: You're not, you're riding, not that riding that at it. the limit like you're riding a 250F. And yeah. that's why I want to get back on a two-stroke, because I know how heavy my right wrist is. Mm-hmm. It's a lot cheaper to put a top end in a 125 than it is to maintain the 250 so, so that's I mean, everybody's like oh why don't you just buy like an rmz or like the ktm the sxf i'm like i'd probably get a 350 i don't yeah. know if you've ridden a 350 I, mm. I was really impressed with the 350 because really? it's like as fast as the, i don't know if it's as fast as the 450 but it's a lot more than the, than the 250,
2: 250. Yeah, and the like
0: race bike i wouldn't i don't think i could ride that at the limit whereas the 250f i've only ridden a couple of them mm-hmm. and i don't I just, I, even at, like, an amateur level and, like, weekend warrior level that I'd be at, I think I'd be too hard on it, and mm-hmm. I don't want to pay to maintain it.
1: I guess right. I didn't think of that, though. Like, every time I think, oh, well, bigger motor, bigger parts, more expensive, all this stuff, but you're not running it within an inch of its life.
2: Yeah, that's the biggest thing, but, uh uh you, so you're kind of running it, like, two-thirds of the power the majority of the time. You're never mm-hmm. really just maxed out on these things, right? Because they're just they're fast
0: they and if like, you watch the lap times these kids on the lights bikes in the 250 class they're putting down lap times as fast sometimes even faster than yeah. the 450 yeah. guys yeah what um, does that bike make for power
2: like like something like 62 horsepower or something like that on a and it's a 450 these? single right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so uh yeah they're, they're cheaper you don't have to like I think I said at the beginning of the show I don't do any motor work these things right I just buy it put some gearing on it do my suspension and um, hand of bars, and that's it. I don't need to do anything.
0: While, while we're back on the topic, it seems like a lot of the privateers, I, I don't watch the 250s as closely as I watch the 450s because I know more of the, I, I mean, I, I'd consider, when I turn on the TV and see your name on a Saturday, I consider, hey, I know Nick, even though yep. this is the first time we're meeting face yep. to face. Um, There's a lot more local kids that I grew up with or around that are running 450s than are running 250s. So I pay more attention to the 450 class. Is there any reason, and I mean, I think you kind of already answered this, the KTM factory editions come set up basically from, you say you do suspension, you don't do any motor work, you do handlebars and go. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that why it seems like a lot more of the privateers tend to be running the KTM over other brands? As, as far as I can tell. Like, Cody Shock, I grew up around. Mm-hmm. I, he was always faster than me. He raced super minis when I was running Schoolboy, and then I think he jumped straight to B class and then into A, and now he's pro. He's running a stock motor, mm-hmm. KTM 450, and he went 15th overall a couple times this season. Mm-hmm on yep. a stock motor is that is it because these bikes are set up so well from factory or ktm is there like a contingency thing that like
2: i know that i you know mean, are the, you asking like why people run ktm as opposed to other brands yes because there's a lot of people running them yes yeah i mean they pay more on contingency and okay. they're just really freaking awesome i bikes, wasn't but, sure how contingency uh, worked once you stepped to the pro class like mm-hmm. i know if you're running
0: i don't know how it is now, but, like, 2012 was the last year I raced. I know KTN, or Suzuki had a really good contingency program with, like, local A-class racers. They'd pay, like, 250 for mm-hmm. an overall or something, and that's yep. why a lot of people at the amateur level were running, um, I, I don't know if you would consider A-class at the local level still amateur. I guess it's mm-hmm. still amateur, but there were a lot of people running, um... Suzuki's because of the contingency money. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if they still paid contingency once you stepped to the pro level or not. So yeah. that's okay. They do, yeah.
2: So the contingencies <clears throat> program is better. Uh, they're the bikes are like twenty pounds lighter than any other Japanese bike. Okay. So so they're way lighter, and then uh, and they're just really awesome. They're all they're electric reliable. start
0: now, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, kick, they're, no kickstarters. No kickstarters, and they're twenty pounds lighter.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's unreal. That's yeah. that's really impressive. Yeah, they're really good. Um, the batteries last really well. I don't have any battery issues ever. Um, they're just all around good bikes. Ever since I got them, uh, ever since I bought the first one from Brad, Blake, and Liam, I mean, dude, huh, Sorry. Um, Ever <laughs> long, since. Yeah, long day. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, ever since I bought them from those guys, man, I've just been, I think i bought like seven or eight of them now. Probably in I think three, RJ three and I years. I was there
1: the last time you picked one up.
2: Yeah. Back in the spring. Yeah, yep.
1: Um, yep. I just want to hop in. I was I was sitting scrolling through Instagram. Oh, uh, who
0: who would have thought?
1: Well, and so <laughs> I get a message from my uh, my buddy. Uh, Ricardo and Ricardo's like, hey, I saw you on Nick's Instagram. Oh, really? Because are you Are you interviewing <laughs> I, him right now? My phone's, like, yeah. my phone's over there because and I'm he, uh, terrible with I can't put it down. Yeah, a thing. So and he said, uh, he said that uh, you know just as a compliment, he was like, you're one of the best local pro riders you've seen in a while. So oh, that's cool. Uh, Ricardo out there giving that's you shout awesome. out. But it's so funny. It's just a small world. To, I, I feel like in especially in the uh, the motocross world, everybody knows everybody. Well, we just
0: stopped at Swallow Falls State Park or National. State Park, right? On the oh, other sure, side of State I don't, Park. We yeah, so were yeah. there, Swamp, and yeah. we're pulling out, and there's a car in front of us with a mini plate on the back window, and he sees me lean forward and try
2: and read the name <laughs> on it. I'm like, yeah. I don't think that's anybody I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's
1: just such a nice... It's cool, it's a tight-knit community. Yeah, it is. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah, everybody
2: knows everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which can be good and bad, but can be mostly good. good. <laughs> mostly yeah, good, yeah. It's... As long as you do good with, things, then it's all right. Well, that's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah <there laughs> if you're doing the wrong stuff, that ain't too good for you. I don't know. There were a lot
0: of people in the districts that I ran where it was like... That's why I stopped coming around. There, were, yeah, there yeah. are some people that... Shady and... I don't know. I just... We're not going to get into it. This is yeah. Nick's show, not my show to <laughs> complain about people that I haven't talked to in eight years. But yeah. um, Do you have any highlights or... Um, Anything that really sticks out from your amateur career, like minias, <laughs> Loretta? not <really>. uh,
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> no it was all pretty bad. Uh, well, I mean, there. Was it couldn't a couple have been
1: days. all bad. You um, ended up
2: here. Yeah. Lessons learned. Lessons learned. Yeah, yeah it was just uh, honestly. I look. I look back at like just everything I've ever done, and it's always gotten better over time. So like everything has gotten better and better and better, mostly because I take a mistake and I try not to make that mistake twice. Um, you know, I I know I make mistakes and stuff like that, and I just like look at it and I try to learn from it and never make that same mistake. So I try to like just try to just build off that, build off experience, and then listen to other people's experience and like try to build off of that. But if you had to pick a probably a best highlight moment in amateur career, it'd probably be, um, uh, I'll list two of them. They were both in two thousand thirteen. Those last year race amateurs and uh, first one was down in uh, in Alabama at a spring national. I had a really bad week because I blew up my my practice two fifty that weekend. Then I blew up my race bike when we showed up. I signed up for all two fifty classes and one four fifty class, and I couldn't race my two fifty classes, so I raced one four fifty class all week, and. Uh, I ended up coming away with a fourth overall in 450A Pro Sport, which was cool because every single one of those guys in the top five, was a, aside from me, was factory rider. We had Matt Bachelia, Anthony Rodriguez. Bachelia got signed with guy. I haven't heard Bachelia yeah. in a long time. Mich- yeah, and then uh, Anthony Rodriguez went to Star Racing. Uh, and uh, Hayden Melros went to... Uh, uh, he went pro with a uh, privateer team, but then he he's down in um, Australia now and he's killing it down there. Um, uh, uh, Luke um, Clout, Ren, oh. Luke Clout was in there. Uh, Luke Renslin was Rensland, in there. Yeah, Like, dude, I there was Luke. it was just stacked. Like, dude, there's so many of us. There's so many kids that yeah. like, not that I was
0: close with, but I had friends that were close with, like Plessinger. Yep. Like I get to see him go out and kill it, and it's like, cool. all these names like. Like I said, I wasn't close with all these kids, but, like, I've met Renslund a couple times. I've yep. met, um, I think I've met Plessinger once or twice, but it's, like, yep. these, these kids are going out and killing it. And, like I said, Cintarulo, hate to yeah. keep going back to Adam, but it's, like, you watch this kid just continue to build and build. And everybody's, like, oh, he's going to step out of the amateur ranks and kill it in the pros. This last summer in the 250 class, that's his first pro championship as far as I'm yeah. aware of like it took him a couple years to get it he
2: yeah I mean, he definitely he got...
0: struggled a little bit once he stepped to the pro ranks and it's just so cool i love watching other people's success even if it's yep. not somebody that i know personally because like you and i were saying you more so than me we understand the work that's going into this behind the scenes yep. and he's got to eat right he's got to train he's got to keep his head right surround himself with the right people which you were saying surrounding yourself with the martin brothers it's and i mean granted i don't want to say that he was born with like a silver spoon in his mouth but he's definitely had like that factory support growing up that it's definitely paid dividends but yeah you gotta want it it's he doesn't just go out and show up on the weekend and half-ass it and yeah yeah i think he,
2: this. he's definitely exceeded the point of questioning <clears throat> whether he wants it or if somebody else wants it for him it's definitely right you know you, you get that level is like, and i haven't seen that level myself so i don't know but but to be able to like not just win once but win you know nine ten eleven times and then and then get a championship like that's that's takes a lot mentally like same thing as cooper webb i mean he when he won the supercross championship like this year, I mean, you got to hang on to that for seventeen races straight. I mean, that's just brutal. And Carrying it's, that weight at twenty four years one, old, one mistake against the whole against season's over. The best dudes in the world, you know, you got to, yeah. you know, and then and then, but then when you're out there, you're like, you can't think about that. You're like, okay, I'm I'm here like to win, and that's what I'm here to do, and there's nothing else, and that's it. That's the only we'll thing. Look get all the other the world it, won't get you to the point. Yeah, of but being it's that it's one yeah. of
0: those things where you've got to want it. And when you're out there, there's no friends. But was it the other couple years ago in Supercross, Sabacci thought he had it. And Anderson came right underneath and cleaned him out. Two corners before the finish line took the championship.
2: Yeah, just like that. And then
0: Sabacci, out there MFing him, and that was dirty. He was on a joyride, too, and he thought he had it. Dude, he thought he had it. He's riding around, sitting down, head up, just kind of cruising through the last couple corners. He didn't go. realize Anderson's and coming up on him, and he went straight inside, tucked the front end, and... Game over. Game, Game over. Yeah,
2: sorry, I didn't mean to no, it's all good. hijack <laughs> that. You said
0: you had another amateur highlight you wanted to talk about, though. You um, said,
2: yeah, Loretta's uh, that same year in 2013. Um, it was a horrible year at Loretta's. I never had good luck there. But I got the whole shot in one of the 450A motos, and... Uh, and me and Hayden Melrose came together in, like, the second corner. Like, he was on the inside rut. Broke my shifter off. Uh, it's that the corner that hooks back to the... I'm trying to think. Because the
0: first corner goes
2: out. You're going sweeping right, left, left, and then you go going that right over the single. Okay. It's the second left. Okay. So, um, and he, like, had the The next right inside of me, like hopped out of it, and hit my shifter and broke my shifter off. I raced the whole race in second gear and finished twelfth, so I was pretty pumped on that. That's pretty. And then we're, I was up on the podium with because they, they give you like a hundred dollar whole shot award or something like that, and um, I was up on the podium and I told Kevin Kelly who was the announcer at the time. I think he has that DMXS radio. Okay. I yeah. That. But he has that, and uh, and he was like, he was like, so tell me about your ride. I told him I was like about the 12th gear or 12th place second gear thing he's like i couldn't have, uh uh He's like, I couldn't even finish that race let alone in second gear. He's like, So good job. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that was that was okay. kinda of funny.
1: Really taking the you don't back out yeah to heart there. Yeah, yeah, own. yeah. Yeah, like
2: I was in a good position. I wasn't gonna just throw it away. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, uh those are probably what's two better highlights. What's Lorettas like
0: for I've talked about Lorettas a couple times on here. I've never qualified. I've yeah. never I was going to try to qualify in C in twenty twelve. And ended up wadding myself really hard, like two yeah. weeks before an area qualifier, and just didn't end up trying. But yeah. um, what's that like as an amateur? That's For those listening, I've talked about it a couple times. Loretta's is the biggest, that's the biggest amateur race you can. It's yeah, the, the Amateur National Championship at Loretta Lynn. Yep. At her ranch in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee. We talked about this, like, the week of Loretta's this year, yeah. but Nick has experienced it. Um, I think we're going to have Sean Baxley on next week. He actually has a title from 2010 or 2011. I don't remember, but we'll let Sean talk about that or at least what his concussed ass remembers of <laughs> that time. That was a wild time in our lives, but... um.
2: What what is that atmosphere like? Um, hot, humid, intense, uh, just terrible. Um, I <laughs> just I say that because I just I just never did well there. Like I had a couple good finishes, but like my best finish there was seventh place or something like that. I can't, sixth or seventh, I can't remember. But uh, but like just. I don't know. We always tried to change everything, like buy new bikes and do different stuff with our suspension and motors and stuff. and then we'd show up and be on a track that gets weird ruts and stuff, and we were just like not comfortable. And then we'd have mechanical failures, and then like just dumb stuff always happened down there. So like, uh, if I could ever go back and change anything about racing, I would change one how I prepared for that race, and two, I wouldn't. Ch- I would run the same beat hammered bike. That I practice on the whole time leading up to that race, and I, that's the same bike I would race there, because we always bought brand new stuff, and it was just then you show up and your bike's all rigid and doesn't flex and like, you know. So it, it's weird to say that, but as you as you ride some more, you realize like. It's important to have something you're used to at the race, not something that you don't know how to ride.
1: Yeah, you're trying to learn the bike, you're trying to yeah. run the track, you're trying to break stuff in. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's just so yeah. many variables that there's no Too consistency. Much. Yeah, let think.
0: me ask you this because I've never run a three moto format. How do you like the three moto format compared to two moto format? Because, like, local level, we always ran two motos. Pros mm-hmm. run the two moto format, but Loretta's is a three moto format. <laughs> Format is that something you liked because you have a little bit more time to get it done, but at the same time you also have more
2: time to screw it up. That's uh, yeah, I mean, there's yeah, it's like you said, there's two ways to look at it. Uh, over a week span, I mean, uh, only having three races feels like you're not racing that much. But uh, but at the end of the day, it's about what comes to, what comes together on the result card, you know. Um, so if you have a, a third place finish, a twentieth place finish, and a seventh place finish you probably end up, like, 11th overall. Right. You know, um, that's just... And that's like convincing. Baxley ended up...
0: We'll let him tell the story. I think he went, like, 10-2-2. He didn't win a moto, but 10-2-2 was consistent was enough to it. take a championship at the end yeah. of the week, and that's... that. I was impressed by that, mostly because I think it was the second year that he raced, or second or third year that he raced, it was a 450 play. Is that my phone going off? I believe that, was, that was mine. That wasn't my okay. phone. Yeah. Um, and he did that. That was a 450 class. He did it on a 250 mod bike.
2: No really. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's and I mean, what he's, class was that?
0: That was 450 C or Open C, whatever. I don't know. There's so many classes anymore that I don't know. Yeah. But he did it on his 250 mod bike. I was. This was like right after I met Baxley too, so it was like we weren't like the closest of friends, but like. Out of everybody I've raced with and, like, hung out with, I still talk to him. I still talk to Colby Yep. I very rarely talk to Josh Villarreal anymore, unfortunately. But I hit him up from time to time. I'll probably see him in Ocean City next weekend. But, like, it's just cool because, and, like, we keep talking about Ocean City and H2O. Super excited to get down there because there's so many of my friends that I only see once, twice a year. Some of them I raced with, some of them I grew up with went to high school with. It's just, there's such a good mix of people that come out there, but it's yep. always good to see people that I used to go to the track with. Or like, I run into people in public like more so when I go home to Lancaster than when I'm out in Pittsburgh, because I'm not from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I never really raced Western Pennsylvania, but it's just cool to run into people and hey man, how yeah. have you been? Like, Catch up Haven't us. seen you in a while. Like, yep. You Still racing? No, like, yeah, there's only a couple people. I still talk to Anthony Maladra here and there, and I guess he actually got his pro card. I saw on Instagram he tried to oh, qualify, nice. I think, at Buds. Nice. I don't think he qualified, but he, that was the first try. one that he yeah. tried, so like, good what for him. Try. Um, yeah. so I remember running like schoolboy and open sea <laughs> <laughs> against him. Like, it's just crazy to watch other people. Like, I said, I like watching other people's successes, like, watching, it's yep. like he's got a career outside of obviously, he's not racing pro he's having fun with it on the weekends but yeah it's cool to watch him post stuff he does like industrial um design and stuff for like real estate offices and cool it's just cool to see but um who was your first sponsor
2: Hmm. my parents your parents (laughs) good answer good answer (laughs) lifelong sponsor
0: that's good to have that support. Yeah. It really is. That was the one thing, when I got into it, my parents were like, listen, we'll put the gas in the truck to go to the track. You're paying for bikes. You're paying for entry fees. You're paying for race fuel. Yep. Everything. So I paid my own way. They bought the trailer, which we got for like 500 bucks used. It was an enclosed, like 6x12. roadworthy, Good to go. Wheel and deal. Yeah. Deal. Um, they paid for the trailer, and they paid for gas to get to the track, but other than that it was all on me, which is I don't want to blame, I'm, I'm not blaming them at all, but that's definitely why I didn't end up going further with it because it was one of those things it's where tough. it's expensive, Yeah. it's super expensive and like, I'd get deals here and there I had a buddy that worked at Action Motorsports in York, and he would he got out of riding dirt well he had Alpine Star Tech 10s that were my size, he had um like chest protector gear like i'd buy a lot of hand-me-down stuff like that which would save me a lot of money but like you're not saving money on practice days and like i'd only get to ride maybe once or twice during the week i was spoiled in the fact that sleepy hollow motocross park in lebanon Mm -hmm. the owner jerry is from Mannheim, where i'm from well jerry had a practice track at the farm you could go out Tuesday and Thursday evenings and you could ride for free as long as Jerry knew you and you signed a waiver and he he'd kept waivers on the file so it wasn't like you had to stop and knock on the door every time like once you signed a waiver you good. You just show up and yep. you could ride Tuesdays and Thursdays which was convenient it didn't uh, I was never good I, I, I had fun but I was yeah. never good yeah. and yeah. Uh, you got good experience out of it though yeah it yeah. was it was definitely taught me a lot as far as, like, money management and appreciating things a lot more when you're paying yeah. for them yourself and working for them yourself. But yeah, do you have any rivals on the local level growing up? Anybody that you really, like, mm. butt heads with or, like, anybody that,
1: I don't know. You're setting just... I think the better way might be to set a goal against. Like, if you're out there, like, you, you might be to friends someone. with someone, but, like, you're like, hey, I'm buddies with you, but at the same time, like, my goal is to beat you.
2: I feel like we all got along pretty good. Uh, I don't really have any, like, rivals. I, could th- I mean, because we actually had, uh, when I was growing up, like, we had the, I, I'll swear by this, we had the sickest group of riders in, like, the 85s in Super Mini class. Uh, I don't know,
0: man. Our Super Mini group was pretty good.
2: <laughs> there was, like,
0: 12 of us that could win. It was nuts. Uh, I could never win, but, like, we had Calvin Beck, Luke Polinicola... Uh, Ari Reekerd. Yep, uh, I can only really think of those three, but there were probably like 10 kids that could go out and win any given weekend, and it was like I sucked, so like I'd just watch from the back of a pack and watch them duke it out. But it was like you never knew who was gonna show up and win. Yeah. But it's so
1: much fun when you can get people like that, and you would just like have the pack go out, and it's yeah. like everybody's shoulder to shoulder, just try to make it happen.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think our, I think our parents were probably to, got tense at certain times. Uh, you know, but like, uh, there was, I bet there was 10 or 12 of us, uh, Chris Williams, Tyler Luft, um, Jason McConnell, Matt Toth, Daniel Lippman, um, Tyrell Cunningham, my brother, me, Zach Cantner, uh, you can tell l-
0: you definitely, the raced. list
2: goes on, you raised yeah, a different, the list goes <laughs> on and, but any one of us could win. Yeah. And did, you know, like, we all got a slice at one point or another. That's awesome. And uh, so it was cool. But we'd all come up after the race and we'd just hang out in between races and then we'd pack up and leave and see each other next weekend. Yeah. Pretty much. That's and one
1: thing that I always find funny, like, watching, the like, Blake, or, well, Liam more so. But, like, watching Liam race with people, you know, my first instinct is it's like in sports, right? Like, you watch people, like, football teams hate each other and they don't even know each other but they hate each other. And then you'll see guys, you know, are out on the track and they're elbow to elbow and they're trying to pass each other on the outside and they might, you know, break dive somebody Mm -hmm. and then, you know, the one guy goes down and he breaks a shifter linkage. Well, it turns out that that guy had a spare one, so he comes over and he gives that one to you, the guy that you were just rubbing elbows with. It's cool that there's camaraderie within competition. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, it pushes
1: you to be better, too, I'd I'd assume. that You have these guys where it's like the whole bar is raised because the average is that much higher. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, the higher the average, the, the, what's the just saying about that. Yeah, yeah. Something about that. Average, I don't know. That's funny. But uh but yeah, I I've I'm always reluctant to give people parts no matter who it is, mm-hmm. bikes, parts, anything like that, cuz I've been down that road too many times and I've taught myself this lesson too many times where yeah, you, whatever you give uh and this is maybe good or bad, but um and, and the same thing goes with with money, but whatever you give expect not to ever get it back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so so mm-hmm. I always put a value in that cuz that's kind of what we say with like now that we're more bo- in that's the what borrowing is now. Right. If somebody's borrowing something from you, expect to never see it again and mm-hmm. do not do not expect yeah.
0: If you get it back, it's not going to be in the same shape that it was
2: handed it's out. It's probably going to be blown out. And that's yeah. what we or say money. with or whatever.
0: With with borrowing something, don't expect to get it back and like Chance says, with going to the track, like track day with your car, do not take anything to the track that you cannot afford to light on fire and push off a cliff. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, cars—it's a little bit less forgiving than a lot more, motocross. Yeah. But you stick a car into a wall at a buck thirty, you're you can walk away from that. Maybe. The car will not. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not going to be pretty, regardless. But, yeah. um, and that's there's my uh short motocross career ended not because i blew up my bike but because one of my friends blew up my bike and i was starting college in like four months
2: oh man yeah yeah you gotta waste some stuff out then Mm -hmm.
0: well yeah he offered to pay to fix it and i was like no no don't worry about it and he took that seriously it was more of a I said that to make him feel
1: better. And he was yeah. like,
0: oh, not my problem. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, man. Is, oh. is there anything from real estate that has helped you in the motocross space or something in the motocross space that has helped you in realty? Like, whether it be mindset or, like, when you go about something or, like, is there any crossover there that you've pulled between the two?
2: Um, yeah, because uh, both are, um, and that's a really good question. Uh, I, I like doing both because you know it's up to me it's always up to me and I like being the, you know having a full reign on things and mm-hmm. whether I do good or bad it's up to me yeah it's not because so, somebody
1: else did it or somebody else didn't do this or that or I point other, the finger back at me yep. and
2: I gotta take the blame for everything and I am I gotta be the one accountable so how far I wanna take it is how far I'll get mm-hmm. and uh, and that's that's the thing I like I mean I I get to choose what level i want to be at so um you know choosing to be at a higher level in real estate sales has allowed me to choose to be at a higher level in racing because of the, of the financial benefit and being able to afford to do it um that's that's so so it all kind of goes hand in hand yeah i mean i i do all my work myself I mean you, if you look at that file with all the last names on it that file right there is three and a half million in closings by next Friday mm. so like that's that's what keeps everything going yeah. so um, if it wasn't for that then you know
0: I wouldn't be able to do anything so there's your motivational piece for the week because I didn't bring anything to the table today <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so, uh, I yeah, meant to text yeah. him and be like hey uh, come up with something motivational because I'm not feeling too creative <laughs> yeah. today, I think you yeah. hit it on the head yeah <laughs> I
2: mean yeah if you want to have any kind of good success I think it comes down to, to self awareness and um, just uh, hard work and relying on no one else but you because at the end of the day you're out there to to build your dreams, not somebody else's, or for somebody else to build yours. So you got to you know, any So whether I you're, just talked about this in the article so I wrote the other day. So that's, whether,
0: I'm really glad you brought that. Yeah. Up.
2: So whether you're an employee working some for somebody else, they they want you to work to build their dream. to build their dream, or whether it's you hiring somebody else and you wanting you being on the other side right. and you wanting them to build yours, you have to like. Always be comfortable in the other shoe. And that's
0: one of the things yeah. is with you saying you get to choose which level you take it to. Yep. Uh, my whole thing is if you want something done right, you'll do it yourself because nobody yep. else is going to do it exactly the way that you're expecting yep. it to get done. And that's, you can't rely on somebody else to build your dreams. No. You've got to go out and do everything.
2: Yeah, yep. the other thing I've noticed too is, uh, like, I always thought I had life mapped out as a kid. Um, but it so did I but, it, but <laughs> and here we are yeah, but it like I I found myself doing all these other things I never thought I'd be doing to eventually get that stuff you know or, or get to that level uh, and that's okay too like you got you just gotta be flexible and not rigid about the way you go about things and uh, and then the other thing too is like like uh, you definitely have to continue like, uh, life isn't a destination, you know, like your goals aren't a destination. It's right. like a, Life's it's, a, a journey. it's a process, right? So, mm-hmm. But that's super duper true because uh, it's always evolving. If you <clears throat> reach whatever goal it is, big or small, and you just stop, you're probably going to fall into some depression of some sort. This right? is, a, like, this is yeah, something I can some speak fall to
0: because my whole thing the whole time growing up was I'm getting out of Mannheim, I'm getting out of Mannheim, I'm getting mm-hmm. out of Mannheim. Mm-hmm. I turned 20. I settled on my first house three weeks after I turned 20. I was so proud of myself. Yep. And I, I say things I, – I make that point on the podcast and on a lot of the blogs and stuff that I write because there are a lot of younger people that listen. And I'm trying to show – like, everybody says, oh, millennials can't afford real estate. Go out and do it. Go out and make it happen. Mm-hmm. You can make anything happen that you want to make happen. I was so proud of myself for stepping out of my comfort zone. I moved three and a half hours from home, and I was like, okay, I made it out. And then like the last couple years, I sat around my house, just kind of go to work, came home, go to work, came home, and I got stuck in that cycle. And I realized like I could be doing so much more. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like I, I finally pulled myself out of that and. We're striving for better. We're, I started this, and we're trying to stay consistent with it, and it's yep. one of those things where, like, it's a dream. It's a hustle. There's money to be made in it. Not currently right now, but I'm doing okay with my career. Yep. But the thing is, you got to set those goals for yourself because, yep. like you said, you get stagnant, you get stuck in that cycle, and yep. depression happens, and yep. you're, you're not happy, and you've got to step outside of your comfort zone every now and then because you're not going to grow within it.
2: I hear people talk about it a lot, and um, I try to avoid the topic always. But I also I think it's like how at the beginning of the podcast we're talking about keeping your front tire out of sand, and I think I think the the depression thing. This is like such a touchy subject, and it's it's like politics almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I actually think that but I think it can good be avoided. That it
0: gets talked about yeah, because you know. it's
2: important that that stigma I th- gets changed. I think it can be avoided. I think that. When you go see a doctor for it, they're going to say, take this, take this medicine, which then makes you feel a certain way that you might need another medicine, which might make you need another medicine. And then the list goes on. Now you're pumping all this, you know, uh, all this stuff in your body that is not normal. And now your body's reacting in a certain way. And then you might develop cancer and you might, you know, it's like, it's like uh, the list goes on. Whereas... Depression usually falls after the stop of something right? right So like so if you if you just continue to pursue whatever it is that you of a, a path that you're on, hopefully it's a good one uh, <laughs> and right. not down the path that some people choose mm-hmm. um, But if you continue that, I honestly think man you probably won't find yourself in that but anytime things slow down, naturally I think that depression can fall from that
0: yeah you keep the, mean, you keep agree momentum agree 100 yeah, 100%. yeah. so it's all about well that's what i did is i, momentum, I pulled myself else. away from my and i'm i'm open about it i right. struggled with anxiety and depression and stuff in the past and obviously that comes and goes yep. depending on what i'm doing but i find the more active i stay be it in the gym or with friends or keeping myself busy with work podcast whatever the busier i am and the more i keep pushing myself and how often am I at my house? I'm at your house more oh, yeah. than I'm at my house. Yeah,
1: that's why that BMW I, has all those miles.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that poor car. God rest its soul. But yeah, it's like, it's keeping you moving. It's keeping yeah. you out there. And, and I, I like the way that you do that because, I mean, if you think, I mean, you can think of that from a, you know, you were talking about self-reliance and being yeah. able to push yourself. Like, I, I like to make analogies because my brain functions so much better through analogies. Yeah. Like, yeah. you start thinking about, like, perspective right perspective and like even if we go to the point of you taking your road bike somewhere yeah. right if you're on a hill and you get momentum at the bottom of the hill you can get over that hill and then you can make it there yeah. if you stop in the middle of that hill and you try to start again pretty hard
2: Just, yeah. it's going to
1: be hard right. you, know, you got to go slow you got to make you know it's going to take you longer to get up that i feel like the, the your mental state yeah. your happiness state is going to be in the same line because uh, yeah. now you have you know if you can keep yourself motivated and moving, when those tough times come, when those low points hit, you're yep. able to, to kind of roll through that. 100%. So, yeah. It comes 100%. back to the, the circle of people around you, too, making sure that they're all,
2: you know. It's like it's, the, the, the train uh, uh, analogy. You know, the train picks up momentum. It's pretty hard to stop.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. yeah. Just keep going. You get Snow that drill out
2: The sucker's pretty heavy. I
0: <laughs> was there anything else that you I, wanted to ask? I or? want to talk a little bit more about his pro career because I yeah. I get stuck on the anecdote. Let's stuff. go till
2: five so it gives us 20 more minutes. All right. Cool.
0: Yeah. We, uh, we're in it. Like, yeah, that'll cool. yeah, that'll put us us an hour, that'll and put half. A hour and a half. And then
1: we can give you some time to, like, if there was
2: anything that we didn't cover, that you'll pop right. nice. as well. Nice. Um, That's what time I'll have to go because I'll have dinner after that. Okay. okay. Cool. We're getting hungry, too. I got to get Lakeside Creamery. Yeah.
1: It's a must.
0: Uh, turning pro, you turned pro 2014. Yep, yep. Where was your first race? Did you start high at the point. beginning of High Point? Okay, yeah. So that's a, that's a like, local track. That's yeah, it's been Pennsylvania. the first,
2: first round that I do every single year, pretty much. Okay, yeah, yep.
0: Um, because I know a lot of like, after Loretta's, the, there's always a break the week of Loretta's, and then a lot of the kids that raced A or pro sport or whatever at Loretta's will turn pro the following weekend at Unadilla in yep. New York. So I wasn't sure if you did that, in, but you said your last season amateur was 2013. 13. So that makes yep. sense. Yep. If you turn pro in fourteen, Okay, so high point. How did Starting that go? On
2: uh not good not
0: good <laughs> it seems to be a trend here yeah.
2: i ask all the wrong questions not good. no that's a good question it just wasn't good it wasn't good at all uh uh i crashed in practice crashed in the last games qualifier and i was just i was, I didn't know i didn't understand anything i wasn't prepared
1: mm-hmm.
2: so
0: first pro point
2: Unadilla you know, last year Two years yeah, ago, last year. Last year. I, I
0: thought in I thought you said that on Instagram. That's why I wanted to bring that up.
2: Yeah, uh, that was Unadilla, two thousand eighteen. That was sweet. Uh, I finished nineteenth, and I probably could have done a little better. Uh, midway through that race, I pulled in, got goggles and stuff, and and uh, lost a couple of positions there. But I mean, as did everybody else, so there's no excuse.
0: Yeah, um, you said goggles. You a tear off guy or a roll off guy? Uh,
2: I was running tear offs at the beginning, and then when I pulled in. Um, John Knowles from Scott gave me a pair of roll-offs. So Which, do prefer, Which do you I prefer,
0: though? Which I run the roll-off. tear-offs, because
2: Scott, the, the tear-offs that they give us are, um, uh, I don't know if they sell them or not, but they have, they're almost like, they're, they're laminate, so you get stacks of seven tear-offs, and so, but you can, Yeah, you can stick more than one yeah. pack every of Yeah. And then they have a sticky adhesive on the backside, so every stack sticks together. They stick the lens, and every stack sticks together okay. for that. So... Uh, yeah, those ones are pretty. I'll have to look awesome. into
0: those when I get back in. Yeah, because I uh, the the only
2: tear offs I've ever
0: run have been through Oakley, and really? I've never stacked another. I've always just put one pack on because
2: yeah. well, I. Yeah. Like, I was generally far them, enough no. behind everybody that I didn't have to worry about
0: it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: That's
0: funny.
2: The um, dust has settled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> oh, right? should be good now. Pat, it's <laughs> Cool. So, Favorite
0: pro track that you've run thus far.
2: Ooh. Ah. Uh, mm. I mean, they're all just rough and brutal and gnarly. So I, I'll probably just say High Point because it's my home track and it's okay. it's the most fun. I have the most. Well, that's, okay, that
0: throws off my next question. Okay. If High Point's your home track, I was gonna say, do you feel any sort of advantage at Buds Creek, being that you mm. are you you're from Maryland or you just yeah. live here currently? Okay. Yeah, from. I was, well, yeah. that was my. Do you feel any sort of advantage at Buds Creek? But if mm. High Point's your. Home track, I guess yeah. not. Right, yeah, but,
2: yeah. but I, I mean, Buns more just so at High cool. Point because it's always exciting. There's always a lot of family and friends around and so. stuff. Probably a lot more humility if I didn't do good. <laughs> yeah, so you got yeah. some. I, I don't think behind. anybody's yeah, gonna yeah. hold it against you
0: because yeah. you're out there trying and you're qualifying. Yeah. So it's. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah. I remember seeing you. We were out in Portland, Oregon, visiting a friend of ours, and we're looking at. Uh, we're literally just yeah, random. They, chicken they were spot. watching Redbud. Yeah. yeah, like okay. and it so. was like.
0: Four days later, though, because Shannon sends me the Snapchat. I'm like, yeah, I watched this the other day, but thanks. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: it's so funny, like, being able to sit here with you and knowing you outside of this and sitting all the way across the country looking at the TV and going like, oh, Nick's racing right now. That That's guy. crazy. yeah, yeah. 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 But it's cool to be able to see all over the place that there's just, like, a presence there and that, like, people get pushed. Yeah. I want to ask, have you, <clears throat> out by Scranton, there's a track called Hurricane Hills. Have oh, you guys heard? Hurricane
0: Hills is the Never. shit.
1: So that is 10 minutes away from my house. From my no parents' way. house. No what? 10, 15 minutes away from my parents' house. Yeah. So I, like ask, I, I lied. I've
0: seen Barsha ride twice. I've seen him ride at Tomahawk. <laughs> And I've seen him ride at Hurricane Hills. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's so funny, because that's like, I drive by it all the time, and I've seen people there, but I've never stopped there to actually, like, watch anybody do it. Watch or check it out, yeah.
0: Hurricane Hills is, yeah. There's a kid, there's a local
1: local kid who, long story short, my dad's, um, Camaro's motor was rebuilt by this young kid's grandfather. grandfather. Yeah, the guy's been racing since, drag racing since 1958, whatever, um, but that kid used to go up to Unadilla all the time, and he was five minutes away from Hurricane Hills. And you know, was, my dad would always be like, yeah, little little Carl's gonna be racing up there. And it's they said it's a fun track. It's, it's funny to
0: see the kids that grow up by the track, or like the kids that, like the Martin brothers, their parents own Millville. So like, I don't want to. They be, get track. They time. definitely have an advantage at Millville, I'd say. But mm-hmm. like he said, they're so dedicated and so driven and focused that that definitely helps a lot more than the track time. Mm-hmm. But. Like last weekend, Dublin Gap did a Pro-Am. Do you know Zach Helmick? I know the name. Yeah, Zach, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, do you have the Zippo on you? I do. Zach's the one that lasered this. Oh, really? Yeah, show him that. Yeah, um, right. Zach and his dad own Metal Fab oh, Incorporated shit. in oh, shit. That's awesome. yeah. Maryland, in uh, Fredericksburg. Fredericks, Frederick. Frederick, Maryland. That's where they're from. Yep. Um, but Zach put up $500. Why, it was... <laughs> They did... How do you shut it off?
1: Just close it. The beauty of Zippos. Pennsylvania made. cool, man. Pennsylvania made. Maryland
0: Maryland Lazard Sold in Pittsburgh. um, (laughs) They they did a Pro-Am. Big purse for the A-classes and Mm -hmm. pro sport and whatever else. But Zach put up, if anybody could sweep all four motos of 250A and 450A, they were putting up $500 for Metal Fab. Hmm. And Dublin Gap offered to match it. Well, Joey Crown comes out and stomped everybody in In all four. Well, I'm like, I text Zach, I'm like, bro, not to, like, ask you a random question, but doesn't Joey's uncle own Baja Acres in Michigan? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. Well, Baja (laughs) does this sick race every, it's, like, right after Loretta's every year. It's Baja Brawl, and they used to do, I don't know if they still do it, I never got the chance to go, but they'd do, like, a, concert and then a pit bike race and i'll show you the video from like 2010 or 2011 when we get him it was pretty dead but like when chitty bang was a big thing like he uh, did a concert yeah, there yeah, yeah. and like brandon mays was coming up as an aspiring rapper he did a show there and then they do the pit bike race it's so like
1: grid life for dirt bike yeah that's well them.
0: they do it at baja acres and joey's uncle owns baja oh there's cool. some really fast kids from michigan which is like random but mm-hmm. um awesome. No, we can we is can thing, is there anything else that you, you want. Uh, I I mean, the, to talk about real estate. How did you get into that? We'll just we'll wrap it with real estate and yep. then you can plug your real estate. You have a real estate Instagram, right? I do, yeah. Okay, yeah. you can plug all your stuff and then nice. we'll get out of here and let you get Sounds to dinner.
2: That's good. Um I uh, let me see how I get into it. Uh so kind of grew up around it. Uh my dad is uh is an owner and agent here at Rayleigh Realty and uh, he's just a freaking animal. He's just a beast. (laughs) Uh, He's pretty much a wealth of knowledge. Um, Good inspiration uh, to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I've had a really good like role model and somebody to learn after. Um, And uh, how I got into it, I actually was advised by him not to. I don't know if he like want me to do it or or what, but uh, I haven't really crossed that bridge too far. But But uh, I bought my real estate test. I failed it, and then uh, and then I went did another course. Passed it. Got my license. And then really didn't do anything the first year just because I was racing and I was trying to focus on that. And then uh, and then I've um, uh, yeah, I just got into it. I really liked it. I enjoyed um, you know the sales side of things. Realized that what I'm doing is is I think every every situation is different. But in some cases, some people just want a place. A lot of people are coming up from like DC, Fairfax County, Virginia, and they're working in DC and or, or like Pittsburgh. And they, a lot of times are just so busy and they need a place like this to be able to come actually be able to like hang out with their family. Like they that's right. actually like a an necessity yeah. and reset and reset yeah. a little bit. Yeah, like right. down there, everything's they're, they're working 5 a.m. till 8 o'clock at night and they don't even get to see their kids. You know, they, when they come home, that's about it. You know, so, it, so it, it's different for some people. And some people are just, you know, they're just looking to get their first house. Or some people are looking to sell a house and move into another one. I mean, you just... There's all kinds of different scenarios, but what you realize is, like, you're helping them. And the more you know, the more you can help those people. So um, that's one thing I've really been doing a lot of this year is just realizing that the more I know, the more I can help somebody in their situation and... Uh, and uh,
1: and it's not so. just moving chips from one stack to another. There's, Yeah, you know I mean, like, yeah. I think, like, being in the sales space, same thing. Yeah. Like, you don't realize that it's actually helping. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Brad, the, the guy who, the father of the, the brothers who own Brothers Brothers, he said the same thing. Sales yeah. is helping people, it's not yeah. just moving a product. That's yeah. a used yeah. car salesman. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 There's definitely a different strategy of a, of a used car salesman who will probably be deceitful and lie to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be the first person to tell somebody not to buy a house. Um, or that they really need to clean their house in a nice way. If it's <laughs> not clean and and is not going to present it very, present itself well on a show. I'm glad you're not my listing agent so, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean that's that's all. Yeah, like important stuff. But I've I've honestly grown to enjoy it. Um, I, uh, you know, been fortunate to, to be in an area where I can work and still race and do all this stuff and with a company that supports all that too so um uh, yeah definitely i've i've enjoyed it and it's definitely yeah people look at me and they're like oh yeah uh, he sells real estate must be nice oh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a lot a lot of work oh yeah, yeah. because that's... i'm not just chasing money i'm chasing you know the, like i for anything to work for me i have to make it work for somebody else right so you don't have, have a have... set schedule to follow either no it's... that's the other thing yeah everything every day is different and in the middle of <clears> summer <throat> i mean i might wake up at 6 o'clock and be in the gym by 7 and be on the track by 9 and be out showing houses the rest of the day you know and then out doing I have a photography business too and I might be out doing some of that and I'm probably out at my house remodeling my kitchen to get it ready to put on the market after that so it's like that's where it comes into just continuous work you know
0: my last question for you is the question that everybody hates where do you see yourself in 5 to 10 years oh my god (laughs)
2: Oh, man, that's a tough one. I mean, I think I kind of have an idea of where I'd like to be, but I think it comes back to what we were talking about midway through, like, uh, or two-thirds, whatever. You know, you go through life, and you're thinking you have it all mapped out, right? And you think you have all this plan of where you're going to be, but everything is always, everything in life is subject to change, so it's always, everything's changing. We know along all the way. about it. Yeah. We're, we're not going to get into it. Yeah, <laughs> so everything's subject to change, so where do I see myself? Um, I think as long as I keep doing everything I'm doing now, I'll be pretty happy. And I honestly would like to do more and continue to do more and build more. Uh-huh. Um, so if I can do that, then maybe I'll exceed that. Um, I exceeded my expectations this year. Um, and with everything that I did um, and then a couple other specific things here, um, I totally doubled my sales from last year, which was wow. pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, so like that was one thing that I was pretty happy with. and then um, So where do I... I mean, I don't know. I just want to keep, keep, chugging along, and keep doing it, and keep doing things right, and building a solid foundation, like we talked about at one point. Where having a solid foundation is pretty important to have, and I think as long as I can keep doing that, then I'll be be pretty happy. Um, be pretty happy with that, because uh, yeah, I mean, life's short. It's it's quick. It's fast, and you know I want to do as much as I can while I can.
1: And it's it's nice when you're making money along the way. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) absolutely. Make a couple bucks along the way.
0: All right, well, we'll let you plug your Instagrams. I'll put them all in the notes and the description and everything. It's at Nick Fratz or, like I said, it'll be in the description. And then you have a real estate one as well. What's that one? Yep, Uh,
2: it's Nick Fratz or underscore realtor. R. well.
0: I'll put it in the description. I'll find it. it We'll we'll make it work. Yeah, it's Um, on there.
2: but yeah, follow those up. Share them with your buddies. Tell them to come buy a house for me. Tell them if they have any questions. Hit me up on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
1: Buy, uh, buy a house and, in Deep Creek, Maryland.
2: As yeah. always, exactly.
0: Exactly. check out um, Barnes Brothers. Yep. Motorcycling Off-Road. Uh, buy your
2: bikes from them. Yeah, buy your bikes. Four-wheelers, side-by-sides. Uh, they must be doing bikes, something right, because Nick drives up from whatever. Maryland
0: to buy bikes in Cannonsburg. So
2: they're, they're a great family. Um, you go where people do the best work.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
2: And they've got it figured out. Anybody
1: can sell you a side by side. Not everybody can be the resource you, the resource you need when you need them. Yeah, so Reach, sure. do you exactly.
0: have anything profound to
1: add? I don't. I mean, I just want to overall say thank you for taking the time. I mean, obviously, thank at the is. end of the year, or end of the day, you know, uh, catching us in here. Yep. Um. Obviously, I'll be, we'll probably be linking up with you the next time we're down here. I'll, we'll come Sounds out and get strange. drinks, Shannon and I. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. uh, if you're ever up our way, hit us up. We'd be love to. Good. We'd love to get food or, or drinks or something with you. Yeah, I appreciate. Oh yes, yes. it's <laughs> yes. from my house. But I know all about it. It's awesome.
0: I appreciate you taking the time to yeah. hang out with us and yeah. let us pick your brain and drive no you
1: insane. But um. No problem. It's gotta be done. Exactly. <laughs> one, one okay.
0: One last question I yeah. didn't think of. Shannon's painting me a canvas that okay. everybody on the podcast can sign. Okay. I don't have it yet, so I'll have you sign it sometime if you come up. Yeah. Is there any possibility, and I'll even buy it from you. I don't care. I don't need a handout. Is there any possibility we could get a signed jersey for the studio? For Yeah,
2: a free podcast. Yeah, I'll throw a jersey in there. You want know it? Right. There you go. All right. Yeah. All right. You're, I had
0: to ask. Nah, yeah. but that's, yeah. right. I've got but I used on. to have a wall of jerseys. I had, like, Casey Clark and a bunch of other, like, local yeah. pros, but that's ended there. up handing them down to my buddies and stuff when I yeah. moved out of my parents' house, but
2: okay cool. oh, it. for the studio, dude. No problem at all, man. Thank
0: you. No problem. Thank you. All right. Thank you, man. That has okay. been episode twenty
2: six. Twenty six. <laughs> twenty six. At, at an hour and twenty six minutes. Yeah, I, there we I, go. I was destined to be.
0: We'll cut it right there. Thank you guys so much for listening. horsepowerandpizza.com at Cold Pizza Podcast at Horsepower Pizza at RJK Photogra- Photograph. photographs at RJK Photographs and at Nick Frats or, and Nick Fratzor Realtor. Underscore realtor. Ladder.